Welcome to the SCG Church Young Adults Podcast, where we get to bring you sermons and content to help bring you closer to Jesus, develop your faith, and keep you up to date with everything young adults. Join us Sunday nights at 7 p.m. in the SCG Church Warehouse for our young adult service, or at our main campus services. We hope you enjoy. Amen, amen. All right, you guys may be seated. Grab a Bible, open it up to the book of Matthew, chapter 1. We're studying one verse today. In one verse only, because I learn a lot about God in this one verse, and I think there's so much there that I think all of Christmas can be can really jumped, summed up in really one, uh, one verse, Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, so that's what we'll be talking about today. But before we do that, um, welcome to Young Adults. We have Matt, my name's Matt, and uh, I hear it's finals week. Is that true for those of us that are in college? I'm not in college. College was a very long time ago for me. Um, but raise your hand if you are in school right now, and it is finals week. Yeah? It is not finals week? Last week was finals week? Okay. I hear a bunch of you guys had finals this week. Cool. All right. Um, Here is a question I want you guys to turn and discuss, maybe for a minute or so. I want you guys to uh, turn to your neighbor. I want you to describe Christmas in three words. You only have three words, and uh, you hear the three words you cannot use. Jesus was born. All right? So I want you to think a little deeper than that. Like, what does it mean that Jesus, that God came? What does it mean that Jesus was born? Um, How has it changed your life? Or maybe it hasn't changed your life. But three descriptive words of the reality that God came to us at Christmas. All right? You guys got a minute. Turn to some folks around you. Ready, set, go. All right, all right, bring it on up, bring it on up. All right, you guys got three words for me to describe Christmas. They don't need to be like synchronistic. They don't need to like form a sentence, uh, like life um, altering, or I guess those sync, sync. <laughs> um, good, whatever, whatever, what, what words come to mind? Anyone? Christmas. I'm not going to shoot you down. You don't got to worry about it. I promise you. Festive. I love it. All right, anyone else? Mike. <laughs> Secondly, it is chronologically interact. Yeah, you're okay, good. All right. Anyone else? Change happened. Peace. That's good. Anyone else? Best gift ever. All right, I love it. Anyone else? Raise your hand if like you actually like Christmas. Like Christmas is like a season that you're like fond of. You like like it. I'm surprised to see a few people that actually work at a church raising their hand. Christmas is wild. If you work at a church, it's like wild. Like, it's crazy. Like, I've had like 78 parties in the last week. But uh, uh, all right, so um, here's kind of the reason I want to talk about this today. One, um, I didn't want to jump back in the book of Romans. I want to do a Christmas message because like, it's literally what? How many days till Christmas? What's today? Is it 17 today? Dude, I turned 31 in 10 days. That is sad. All right. Uh, <laughs> all right, but real quick. So this Christmas, um, it is uh, Christmas 2 being a dad. And I, my little uh, Noelle, she is almost two years of age. She turns two in February. And I've been plagued with a question really for a year now, um, as I think I botched last year. And uh, the, the question I've been thinking through is, what do I as a father want my daughter to know about the son that was born at Christmas? What do I as a father want my daughter to know about the son that was born at Christmas 200 decades ago? Now, she's not even two yet, like I said, you know, she's 20 or so months. So she's, the whole like, I, real idea of Christmas is going to fly right over her head. The whole deity in diapers you know, like that's going to, the whole God in a bod, right over her head, right? It's just not really going to, it's not really going to like make sense to her, right, in her little, little brain. But I guess, I guess the question I've been thinking through is, how, how can I begin to teach her now that Christmas isn't about presence, but rather it's about God's presence in her life? It's not about the exterior presence, but rather God's presence in her life. The questions I've been thinking through are like, what, is, what can I as a father teach her? What can I show her? 
As a family, my wife and I have been thinking, how can we explain to our daughter that Christmas is not a once upon a time kind of story? It's not a legend. It's not a myth. It's not a once, like once upon a time kind of story, nor is it a tradition or a dream, but it's actually an incredible reality that if she could truly understand, digest the real meaning behind Christmas, that it would actually be something incredible for her, her life, life-altering. So as a parent, I ask these questions. How can I introduce my child to the child born at Christmas who can change her life as much as that child has changed my life? Or how can my child see past the presence of Christmas rather to the person of Christmas? So every December, um, for I guess only two years now, uh, we do this thing at the Sea and Franny household every night. We read a book, we get on my daughter's floor, and I hold my daughter, she sits in my lap, and we read a birthday, a birthday book called Happy Birthday Jesus. And uh, you know, as I was reading this book to my daughter as she was sitting in my lap, uh, I flipped to a page uh, that I've seen tons before, and it was a page that had little baby Jesus in a manger. And it was weird because like this familiar truth hit me in an unfamiliar way, and it was that the infinite became an infant, right? Like, I think about this just for, like, for a moment. Can you imagine really quick if you had to become a baby once again? Like, how unfortunate, how big of a tragedy, how big of a bummer that that would be for you and me, right? Like, can you imagine giving up your ability to talk? Like, waking up tomorrow knowing, like, I'm not going to be able to talk. Or your ability to control your body. Or your ability to control your bladder, and you're going to need a, <laughs> a diaper or something like that, Right? Can you imagine, you know, waking up tomorrow and you lost your ability to communicate, text, drive, experience the freedoms that you have as an adult, right? Eat the foods that you want. Like, like imagine losing your teeth, having to go back to milk and applesauce, right? Like, what a bummer that would be. None of us would choose that. See, at Christmas, God did way more than that. The God who created and controlled the world entered into the world and gave up that control of the world by becoming a child. Right, the Lord of Lords became a servant. The Almighty became fragile. The Maker was made in human form, is what Philippians 2 teaches us, right? I mean, think of it this way. All throughout human history, right, we read of stories of babies, well, one day growing up to become kings, right? The ancient world is littered with stories like that. But only one time in human history did the King of Kings ever become a baby. And so I guess the question is, what do I want my daughter to know about this baby king? Well, I guess from the earliest ages of her life, I want her to know two things about the baby king born at Christmas. Number one, I want her to know the purpose of his life. And number two, I want her to know the place the baby king should have in her life. I guess we'll start with the first one, the purpose of his life. The purpose of the baby king's life was simple. It was to lay down his life to lift us up and out of sin. Um, One Thanksgiving, uh, my family has a little property up north by Sacramento, and every Thanksgiving we spend Thanksgiving there. So last year I was driving up there, and my family's all sleeping in the car, and um, it's up and over the grapevine, if you kind of have an idea of where that is. And I saw this truck in the rearview mirror weaving in and out of traffic, you know, like, er, 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 you know. And uh, how to say this, um, he gave me a special wave out of his window as he fled past me, right? And uh, I don't know what it was, right? Maybe because I was tired. Uh, maybe it was because, I don't know, my family was in the car and I felt protective. Or I don't know, maybe because he was driving a lifted truck as high as his ego. I don't know. Something about the moment just ticked me off, right? Something started rising up in me. And it wasn't love. It wasn't grace. It wasn't mercy. It wasn't forgiveness. It was anger. It was rage, right? And a desire to give a special how do you do back, right? <laughs> and uh, so I start chasing after this guy, right? I start to catch up to this guy as my speed starts matching my rising heart rate, right? And as I'm, I'm rapidly approaching his truck, I see his tailgate. And his tailgate says, I was once the inmate of the month at San Quentin. <laughs> so I slowly kind of let go of the gas, right? I was like, I don't know if I want to get into something with, with, you know, with this guy, right? 
But for a few moments going at 95, I mean 65, I, uh, I forgot who I was, right? More importantly, I, I forgot I had a Seco sticker in the back of my car. No, I'm playing. But uh, for a moment, I just, I kind of completely forgot, like, you know, who I was. And there was something in me that just kind of started to take control of me in that moment. And it wasn't good, right? Truth be told, I think we've all been in a similar situation before. You said something, you did something. It's like, you know, the kid, like you told your mom to shut up. And the second the words left your mouth, you went, no. <laughs> like, like why did, where did that come from? Right? Why did I say something so stupid with my dad being president? Right? Like, why, 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 you know? And I think we've all been in situations, right, where we had moments where we did something, said something, or thought something that was wrong, and you wondered, where are these thoughts coming from? Where are these actions coming from? Where are these desires coming from, right? There's just something in you. There's something in me that's like this self-centered, egotistical self that does wrong things, right? So all of us, we, all people given the right circumstances will do the wrong thing. I think we could most likely, most people, all people, given the right circumstances, will probably choose the wrong thing, right? I'll give you an example. I'm kind of a unique situation. I remember the very first bad thing I did that I got in trouble for. Uh, <laughs> so when I was two, I have a twin sister, her name's Melissa, and uh, we, I just got uh, a brand, bunch of brand new Hot Wheels. I loved Hot Wheels, right? And uh, I remember I was playing with them. Uh, in our house, and my sister came over, and she grabbed it and wasn't giving it back. And I was like, Missy, give it back. Missy, give it back. You know, she didn't give it back. So what two-year-old Matt thought was a great idea to get back my Hot Wheel was take the vacuum cleaner, turn it on, and stick it on her head, right? Let me let you guys know that wasn't a good thing to do. It sucked off her hair, little two-year-old Melissa, and to this very day, she's got a bald spot in the dead center of her head. Just just completely, completely bald. She has a comb over. It's cool. Uh, But I think at some level, right, we can all relate to this, right? We all have done things we know we shouldn't do. In fact, we know that the world isn't the way it's supposed to be. And if you look in the mirror, we know that we aren't the way that we are supposed to be, right? The Bible has a word to describe this reality that exists inside your heart, mind, within our souls. And the word, the reality is called sin. Sin is this evilness that exists in you and it exists in me. Sin is when I can only think about me. Sin is best described by its middle letter, I. And it is sin that has separated us from our creator forever and ever and ever. The Bible teaches us that, that it is true that each of us entered into this world with a sinful nature, that heaven is not our natural default. Most people think it is, but it isn't. You need to be John 3, reborn, is what the Bible says. But it's equally true that God entered into the human story at the, at, at the time of Christmas to save us from this sinful nature that we have. In fact, one of my very favorite verses in all of Scripture is the Christmas verse we're going to be going over to today because it teaches us this, this reality. It's the account of an angel appearing to Joseph in a dream, and it said, said this to him in a really interesting way. It says this, she, talking about Mary, will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because why? He will save his people from their sins. See, Christmas teaches us that there is a Savior for your soul, but also this, that he came as a baby in a cradle who would one day grow up to become a man on a cross, who would pay for your sin and mine. This Christmas, I guess there are three things that I want my daughter to know about the purpose of the baby king. Number one is this, that the greatest gift of Christmas isn't going to be found as presents under a tree, but the person who would grow up to hang on a tree to pay for your sin and mine. Number two, that Jesus is the only answer to the problems placed on us and the problems that are found in us, so that you and I, we can run to him. Because he and he alone has the answers. And he promises to be with you. He was given a name uh, four or five hundred years before he was ever born, Jesus. And the name was Emmanuel. It teaches us in Isaiah and elsewhere. And it means, literally translates God with us, right? And three, if the story of the baby king is true, it's a reminder that the God of the universe notices you, hears your prayers, knows your name, cares for you, 
that has a future for you if you are willing to place the baby king at the center of your life. At Christmas, God didn't come and, and think of it this way, right? Like, think about a way, like, ancient kings would arrive. You ever seen the movie Troy? The way that, like, the kings, like, there's all this pompous and, you know, think of, like, how, how like, uh, the king of England or the queen of England before him, right? Like, whenever they arrive to a place or uh, had dignitary, uh, president, the way that they enter into a room, right, or into a new country, whatever it is, there's all these, you know, there's fireworks and this, that, and the other thing. The king of the universe didn't come and crack the sky open, nor does he come as a warrior standing atop a mountain yelling victory, <laughs> No, the very first victory that hope ever had, peace ever had, our souls ever had, love ever had, wasn't a yell from a, a mighty warrior. It was a cry from a baby lying in a manger that changed everything. And if my daughter was willing to give, her, give, give the baby king her life, it'll change everything for the better. I guess what I want her to know is that the baby king, who was the son of God, came to show us the love of God, to remove the wrath of God so that you and I could be in the presence of God forever and ever. I guess the second thing I want my daughter to know about the baby king is the baby king's place in her life. You know, as a father, I realize that I, uh, I have um, a lot of control over my daughter's life right now, right? What she eats, um, when I'm going to get her out of bed, uh, what she's going to wear, uh, X, Y, and Z, right? And I, as a youth pastor, I know that that control becomes less and less the closer that she gets to probably like age 13 or something, right? But in between now and then, um, I, had, I, uh, I have some control over her life, and I even had the privilege of, you know, giving her a sense of identity, being a part of our family, and I even got the, I had the privilege of writing her name on her birth certificate. We were literally able to name her, right? You know, in the ancient world, it was primarily the father of the household who got to form and fill their family's identities, and even name each child individually. It was in Jewish culture today, by the way, it's also given as the absolute right that the father has to name his children, because in Jewish culture, this is important, uh, uh, it implants, uh, names implant a sense of identity and even give a sense of destiny. I'll give you a simple uh, uh, example here. Um, I'm sure you guys know the story of Moses. If you don't, read it in the book of Exodus, chapter 3. Um, <laughs> his name translates saved from water. Now, that wasn't just a name given to him because he was plucked out of the water. No, rather, it was a prophetic name. Why? Because if you know the story, he would save God's people through what medium? Saving them through walking through Water, the Red Sea, right? Or Mary, do you guys know what her name translates to? Wished for child. Oh boy, did she get one, right? See, names are important because they identify us. And this is why I want you to pay special attention to what the angel tells Joseph to do in our one verse for tonight. It says this, she, Mary, will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. I want you to notice the angel does what? He takes away Joseph's ability to name his son. That's fascinating. By refusing to let him name Jesus, the angel is essentially saying, you do not name him. He is to name you. He is to give you a sense of identity. He is to give you a sense of destiny. He is to give you a sense of meaning, and he is to give you a sense of purpose. See, what you need most from Jesus and what I need most from Jesus is for him to name us so we don't spend our entire lives trying to make a name for ourselves. What I want my daughter to know about Christmas is it has everything that she's looking for. That Christmas, it gives to her a sense of worth, of value, identity, family, purpose, hope, a sense of belonging, everlasting, and even eternal life. Let me ask you a question. Can you imagine, can you imagine how much your life would have changed early on in your teenage years if you allowed the person of Christmas to name you? To tell you who you are, what your life should be about, where you should look for love, hope, and a sense of identity. 
The truth is, I think we're all looking to be named because all of us want to belong. All of us want to be noticed. All of us want to be seen. All of us want a family because all of us need an identity. The best present of Christmas is to let the person of Christmas name us. That's what this verse communicates to us. And that the first and primary name that he gives you and he gives me and Christmas reminds us of this is his, his son, his daughter, and whom he loves dearly. I was reflecting on the last, you know, 20 months my daughter's uh, been born. I realized that my life has changed a lot since 2-2-22. That's her birthday, 2 That was the day my daughter Noelle was born. You know, and that's because new life always changes someone's life. It changes the parent's life for sure, right? But the birth of the baby king didn't just bring a new way of understanding life or a new way of living your life, right? No, he brought the possibility of you having a new life by giving you a new name. And so this Christmas, as I was thinking about it in my office today, I was like, what, what is it that I would want for every person here, right? What is it that I could be praying over you guys and you could be praying over um, yourself and the rest of us here? It's that God would soften our hearts and that he would name us so we need not go search for a name in people. I mean, think of how many like, people you know only have a sense of identity by who they're connected to relationally, like in a dating world. Like, I'm no one if I don't have a girlfriend or a boyfriend or X, Y, or Z, or if I'm not married by this age or whatever, right? I mean, just think back to when you were in high school or junior high. It was some of the dumbest, most dumbest decisions I've made or I've seen other people make are in whom they date, right? I've been a youth pastor for over a decade. I've got a billion stories, right? So imagine if you, like, knew who you were and you didn't need a person to communicate that to you. Or even a sense of performance, like needing accomplishments, a de- certain degrees, or anything else in the external world to tell us who we are and our worth. That's what Christmas provides for us. And so here's what I'm going to pray for you guys tonight, is that we would get our name not by other people or through our performance, but the person of Christmas who knows you completely, and yet he loves you absolutely. We pray for us. Father, today I thank you that you are a God that can name us, and one that came 200 decades ago. God, to say that you love us, to say that you care about us, that you promise to be with us. And so, Father, I ask that you would name us, that we would not get a sense of identity from what we do, but rather who we are in you. And so, Father, this Christmas, would you speak to us in a specific way, draw us, God, close to yourself. We love you in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to the SCG Church Young Adults Podcast. For more information about our services, events, and ways to get involved, head on over to scgchurch.org. Thanks again for listening.